Hello, Big Chillians, and welcome back to the Big Chill Podcast. I'm Frank, joined as always with Eddie. Eddie, how's it going? Yeah, things are going pretty well. Managed to pick up a cold this week, which is great. Samesies. As soon as <laughs> weather has slightly changed and immediately I have a cold, which is a little bit disappointing, but at least it's yeah. not cold. I think mine is when I travel. Whenever I travel like a lot, I think because of the lack of sleep and just being around everybody, yeah. my sinuses just get destroyed. Yeah. And like colds are one of those things that are annoying, right? Because you can do everything, but you then just, it's just like you, you just, just feel, feel crappy. crappy. Yeah. Yeah. And then you take the drugs and the drugs make you kind of loopy. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's also been going for annoying. a few days and you get to that point where you kind of like stop feeling. You, you can't remember anymore what it feels like to feel normal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's that certain moment yeah. where you're just like, ah, oh, maybe this is this is as good as it gets. This is it for life. Yeah. Yeah. So I have to say... Um, I've been going to the gym for about 20 years now. I have now witnessed a new first at the gym, Eddie. This is pretty crazy. So went to the gym about a month ago, and now I've seen this person regularly since. The person comes to the gym and works out in a full chainmail shirt. Okay. Is that just like, that supposed to be like weighted? Is that the reason why they're doing it? No, because the majority of his time is spent doing lat pull downs. Okay. <laughs> he goes into the gym and he spends 45 minutes doing lat pull downs in his chainmail shirt, full chainmail. Like he let me feel it. It is it is heavy as hell. It is like from the Middle Ages, you know, like Is he a larper? No. Okay. He's just just weird. A weird dude. Okay. I've never, I, I don't get it. It makes no sense. It's like obviously not comfortable. You know, like <laughs> it, it's a first. I've seen a lot of stupid, dumb shit at the gym. I've never seen anyone work out in chain mail. So does he have something underneath with, it? With a white t-shirt underneath, okay. that's what I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Which makes it even weirder. <laughs> and did you ask like, is that exclusively, is it like a gym specific thing or is he wearing that just like, is that it's just his look? That's a good question. I'll have to ask next time I see him. Uh, needless to say, he's a, a little bit of a character, yeah. <laughs> so difficult to hold a conversation with him. Uh, but uh, for the podcast, I'll ask him if this if this is like a everyday outfit or if he's purposely putting it on. Just special occasion. But and it it wasn't just a one time thing. I mean, this is every time he's at the gym, he's wearing it. So it makes me actually think maybe it's just for the gym. Yeah, yeah, it just doesn't you would assume someone was doing that for the kind of weight benefits, but then you know, it doesn't make sense yeah. if he's not doing uh, exercise. Even if it's weight. for the weight benefits, that's a very unique way yes. <laughs> to, yes. to do weight and there would be to do like weighted pull ups. Yeah, there'd be more comfortable ways of adding weight to yourself. Yeah. But I guess I mean maybe he's just a huge Thrones fan. Yes. <laughs> maybe that's all he's got playing in his, his headphones, just the Game of Thrones theme tune nonstop. <laughs> that would be awesome. I guess speaking of someone who needs more protection, though, we obviously spoke about Tua and his injury wow, on the last. Right to it, yeah, on the last episode, and then last night things. We speculated that maybe he wouldn't play in the Thursday night football. That either because yep. they he wasn't officially in concussion protocol, but maybe they'd find another injury to, for the reason why he couldn't play, or the NFL would kind of wink, wink, nod, nod, don't start him. He did start, and then he had what will probably be the most horrific injury to witness this season with just him being the actual... We hope. Yeah, <laughs> yes. 
the actual incident itself looked fairly innocuous. I mean, he's sacked and kind of thrown to the ground, but it, as far as football hits go, you see much more sort of bigger hits on yeah. a pretty consistent basis. Like it didn't look, um, and then just him in full unconscious mode with the weird finger thing going on that happens to people yeah. when their brain stops working. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I guess we can get right off the bat and, and speculate a little here because I'm not an expert in concussions, but, you know, I've I've actually seen a decent amount. Uh, there is actually some research that people at our university do. But, it, you know, you said it wasn't that big of a hit. But if you are already concussed and you get another blow to the head, it's going to be a much more severe outcome than the original blow to the head or if you were completely healthy and never had a concussion before and that happened. So you have to speculate based off of that, that the reason it was such an, uh, like an uh, aggressive reaction has to have, has to be because of that previous concussion that they said was a back injury. And what bothered me was during when it happened, no one, brought the previous injury up. It wasn't until about the fourth quarter, I think, that Herb Street kind of brought up, well, you know, like last week Tua got injured and people speculated maybe it was a head injury, but it ended up being a back. And even then it's like, come on, Herb Street, have some balls and kind of just say like, maybe it wasn't a back. You know, you don't have to go that far, but say like, maybe there was some residual uh, impact that they missed or something like that. Because, because, Oh, it just pisses me off that like, come on, we, we, we talked about it at length. I'm a, I'm a little sympathetic to the commentators or announcers live in the moment because you don't know how severe the, like there, it wasn't inconceivable that he died. So do you want to be speculating in the moment? And then they go, look at this, look how poorly this quote aged of them discussing whether or not Tua should have been playing. Like I can understand you probably get a, like a message in your ear from your, you know, from the producer saying like, Mm-mm. like until we know he's actually okay to some degree, at least let's not like speculate about what the injury is or how it could have occurred. I think. Well, I when think they did bring it up, they, they had heard that he had, he was like, okay. No, exactly. And I bet you they were specifically yeah. told. Do not say anything until we have word that he's in a hospital and stable because you do not want to be ripping into the Dolphins for playing him. And then five minutes later, we news coming in, two has died. And you go, well, what, what an asshole that you were there taking shots about something. You're not a neurologist. You don't know what was going on. You don't know what tests he was done. And there you are wanting to what, get a talking head moment live on TV. So I, I'm sympathetic towards the people in the moment, but I'm I'm very angry at everyone in, in the Dolphins organization. I think head coach fired. I think you should be, I think everyone in the medical staff fired. I think uh, stripped of your medical license, like literally I think that should be it for you. And head coach, I think that should be just lifetime ban. You've not taken the safety of your players seriously. And in an era in which we're trying to protect players, like it makes everything just a laughing stock. So, you know, like Tua himself, I think is irresponsible, but I understand that as the individual player, you want to play. But I think even he 
has been irresponsible in saying, you know, not taking his own, protecting himself as much as possible. Because it's not like he's some backup getting the rare opportunity to start. Like, he was pretty secure. He could have sat out Thursday night football and he would have been right back in the game. Like, Terry Bridgewater was not going to steal his spot from him, right? Like, so, but I think everyone who had any role in the actual assessment and decision-making as to whether or not he played that day should be out of a job. They won't be, but they should be. I mean, yeah, yeah, you're you're going full Stephen A. Smith, who basically said the same thing, and I don't disagree fully. I, I mean, the only thing I will say is, you know, you're talking about as an announcer, you need to wait to hear what had happened. I still think, I hope that the NFL PA does a thorough investigation, and it's an actual investigation, and we can see what had happened and who was at fault. You know, and, and I get it. Even if they did the concussion protocol and they found, you know, that there was no issue, maybe as a head coach, you still pull them out. But I think it's a lot less on the head coach in that scenario versus a scenario where they like start to do the concussion protocol and the coach comes in and says like, no, no, he says he's fine. He's fine. Don't worry about it. And then, you know, that like maybe that's, you know, once you find out what happened, I think then you can really get at who's fully to blame. But I just for the life of me, cannot believe the fact that he did not have a previous injury to his head with the what had happened against the Bills and how he got up and the fact that he never even touched his back. Like, to say it was a back injury, he never flexed his back, like, reached for his back. Like, that's bullshit. No, it wasn't his back. So, like, I there something definitely happened there and someone either missed it or purposely ignored it or purposely buried it. And I think that's the people that they need to go after. Because as sad as it is is to say, this is an opportunity to really make an example of that rule and show how important that rule is for the future of NFL players. And I think the players definitely get a wake-up call here and are going to be a lot more aware and a lot more willing to go through those protocols after seeing what happened to Tua. Yeah, but I mean, it gets back to it, right? Even the protocols themselves are flawed. You know, you have players like Gronk has openly spoken about in the past that, you know, it's a reaction test and, and different things. And, and you try and you set your baseline in preseason. He's openly spoken about the fact that he would set his baseline lower, like he would intentionally react more slowly when doing the baseline test, knowing that that way, if he was a little bit dinged up in the course of a game, it would give him more... Uh, you know, room for error. Um, So everyone is at fault here. The players themselves have to take responsibility for their own long-term health. You know, there's no lack of knowledge at this point. So they have to be responsible for themselves. I would have been, and as I said, it's more difficult if you are a backup or a player who's getting one week to shine to try and to say that you're going to, you know, potentially have a, you know, life-changing opportunity by playing a game and you're going to sit that out instead that's a difficult position to be in but in the case of someone like Tua where you're very secure in your starting job you as a player have to take more individual responsibility everyone in the coaching staff has to take more responsibility like they have you know and and the medical staff they just shouldn't be allowed I mean they just shouldn't be allowed to I genuinely think people should be being stripped of their medical licenses, but in the very least, they should be not associated with, you know, any in any capacity with professional football ever again. Yeah. And I mean, you know, 
people kind of made fun of any given Sunday as being a non-realistic movie. And there's that one scene that so comes to mind any given Sunday about the, the medical, uh, the doctor who gets fired eventually for kind of faking injury reports and things like that. And then kind of goes back on the head coach and says, you know, like you knew it was happening too. So don't take the high road and put it on me when you knew I was doing it. And, you know, kind of what you're saying, that's exactly, it has to kind of be what's going on here. You know, I, I can't believe that McDaniels saw how Tua reacted on Sunday after that hit and was okay with hearing that it was a back issue. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're just, they're being willfully ignorant and negligent yeah. to, to kind of turn a blind eye to something like that. Anyone watching it would have assumed that he had some form of concussion. And yeah, he has a responsibility to his players. You would have just also thought it wasn't a must-win game. You would have just thought that in terms of also just from managing your players, in the end, it's a huge mistake. He's now going to have his quarterback out for an indefinite period of time, who knows how long, potentially the entire season. Potentially, we never really see two again. You never know with how serious these things are. And, you know, so it was a short-sighted decision. And so, you know, that's the real reason. Like, no one benefits from this. The individual player is putting their long-term health at risk. As an organization, as a team, you're risking losing a player to a longer-term injury than they need to. But, yeah, it's, it's a really bad look for everyone. And, and serious sanctions, I think, have to be, you know, thrown down. The issue they have, I guess, is that he, in terms of like what you're saying, in terms of reviewing everything, he never entered the concussion protocol. So they can't even really go back and say, well, were the assessments done correctly? Because he probably didn't have any assessments done. You know, like he will have had the initial assessment over the course of the game yeah. or when the, they are watching him on a camera, they will have decided that he didn't need to have the test done. You know, whatever that process is like there. But after that moment, he won't over the course of this week, unless they, for whatever reason, decided to, which seems unlikely given how they then treated him, he won't have a, have had any of the tests where you could have tried to see, like, what was his brain performance like? So, so was that confirmed that he never even went through concussion protocol? Yeah, that, that was confirmed. That was confirmed on Monday when, because they, when, when they were asked about whether or not he would be playing on Thursday... They said, no, he's not even entered concussion protocol. So, Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yes, he hasn't entered concussion protocol. But yeah. did he, Did he? was he originally assessed for a concussion? I, I'm sorry, I, I, mis, I mis, kind of misheard that. Because going into concussion uh, protocol means that like they assess you and you had some level of impaired response to the test. And then you go into I the think, protocol. But was he ever think, tested initially? I might be wrong on this. I think even if you get tested, you're basically then in the protocol. Like, I think if in the moment okay. they decide, I think, but certainly, obviously, if you have any indication of a concussion during that initial test, you definitely enter the protocol. But I think even yes. if you just are suspected of having had a concussion and get tested in the moment, I think that kind of puts you into the protocol anyway. But, I mean, yeah. he stated, like, you, you can tell from how they treated him on that Sunday that they, you know, they didn't, you know, he wasn't assessed in the way that you would have expected in the game, it's during the game itself. So it's just a real failure on everyone's part. Yeah. And I mean, that's even then a huge failure on the NFL because the NFL has, has eyes in the sky, just looking yeah. at players who have potential head injuries. And <laughs> if you watch one replay of that, his head gets slammed into the turf and you have to say, Oh, he's in, I've seen times where a player, his head like barely hits 
and they pull him in onto a concussion, like to, for a concussion test. And to see that and then to see his reaction when he gets up, if he wasn't placed into the testing, then, yeah, obviously the team doctors and, and, and things like that are to blame. But also then the NFL is going to be in huge trouble because that's literally what they've implemented is to have people for that specific scenario. Yeah, it will be interesting to see who the fall guy will be. Someone's going to get the chop, right? Like someone's going to take some resp- – it's not going to be as wide like the sweeping sort of reforms that I would like to see. But someone is – they're going to say, well, this person – <laughs> You'd like to see the Miami Dolphins team just be stripped. No, no longer I, Miami Dolphins. <laughs> no, I'm fine. It's not the – yeah, I think everyone in their medical staff gone, head coach gone, offensive coordinator gone, quarterback coach gone. That's – that to me should be like that – not even a question. And I would be a lifetime ban on probably on the head coach and certainly on the everyone in the medical staff. Well, with that, I mean, do we want to discuss any more NFL? <laughs> um, well, I guess we can look forward, look ahead <laughs> to this week, right? Not the most exciting slate of games we're ever going to see. Um, yeah. Well, it so. does mean, though, I mean, we are recording on Friday. So obviously, after all this had happened, um, we're not predicting that it happened. Uh this means now that the Eagles are the only undefeated team left in the NFL after three weeks, which I don't think many people would have predicted uh, only having one undefeated team after three weeks and it, or four weeks and it being the Philadelphia Eagles. So, yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's a, it's fairly unpredictable season so far. And, and you have to say from the Bengals per- perspective, that was an important win for them and not that they should be happy, obviously that what happened to Tua, but that game was very much in the balance. I mean, they even didn't win it convincingly with Terry Bridgewater in, but they should probably be happy in the end that not in the circumstances in which Tua went out, but the fact that they did get to play against a backup quarterback because that was close to being season over for them. Yeah. And in fairness to Teddy Bridgewater, he, he played pretty good. Uh, he had a couple nice deep throws, uh, hit Tyree Kill on that nice deep ball. But um, yeah, could well, I think I win. think. Bridgewater's kind of that definition, right, of a guy who's just a little bit too good to be a backup, but not quite good enough to be a starter. He's the best backup in the NFL, ahead of Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo's not a backup anymore. I guess ne- neither is Terry. <laughs> neither is Terry Bridgewater. So, but yeah, looking ahead then to this slate of games, uh, we got a London game this weekend, which. London's calling. Yeah, it feels earlier than usual, but I guess it's probably not. But it does seem super early in the season to already have a London game coming. And it's it's a pretty good one. Oftentimes they're duds, but this is actually, it's not amazing. Yeah. Vikings at Saints is not a terrible game. And it's a good good uh, rivalry. I mean, they've they've had a couple good battles, you know, playoff battles and, and regular season battles. So it's it's a, it'll be a good game regardless. I think there's, you know, a decent amount of bad blood between those teams. Yes. Yeah, and I guess if we make our pick, I'm speaking about it then, the Vikings are three-point favorites. Um, I think from my perspective, I, the, the Vikings is just so hard. I mean, every year, right, we talk about it. It's so hard to know which version of them is turning up on, on any given Sunday. And you then throw in the X factor of this being in London and having had to travel an extra distance this week and deal with jet lag and uh, you know adjusting to the new time zone. There's a lot of unknowns to throw into the mix. Um, but the Saints so far have looked good on defense, but not really struggled to put together anything on offense. So I think I'd expect the Vikings just to have too much firepower for them. So I'd expect them to win and cover the spread. 
Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think the Vikings are, you know, I think they have a great offense and the Saints defense is decent, but I, I think with the Vikings, they're going to score at least 20. And I don't know if the Saints can score 20 points. Uh, you know, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty close and they don't look that great. So I'll, I'll take the Vikings to win and to cover. I'll take the Kirk Cousins IV this week. All right. And then next, maybe it'll get over. Maybe I can get over my cold with a little cousins in my blood. I, I'll hope for the same thing. <laughs> the unvaccinated blood it has to be said, I guess. The next game, I guess, game of the week: Bills, uh, Bills at Ravens. Uh, Bills coming off a somewhat surprising loss to the Dolphins last week. Uh, Ravens, a decent victory against the Patriots, but maybe a little bit unconvincing. You got. Two quarterbacks who I guess are vying, even though it's only week four, vying for potential MVP spots. And the Bills are three-point favorites. Yeah, both of these teams only lost the Miami Dolphins. So um, a pretty good through line there. I'm going to go with the Bills. Uh, I think this is going to be a great game to watch. Both teams have defenses that you know like to force turnovers they give up yards their defenses uh especially the the ravens but they do force some turnovers so it'll be interesting to see who wins the turnover battle i think that's going to be a big one because i think points are going to be high so it's going to be you know who can get a turnover and stop them from scoring and turn that into points on their own so for me i'm going to go with the bills uh i just think still they're the best team in the nfl uh, but it should be a really enjoyable game. So I'll take the Bills to win in the cover. Yeah, I agree with you. I think the Bills are the best. I think last weekend was more of a blip. We kind of spoke about it on the last episode, how even when you looked at that game, they dominated it, even if they weren't able to actually get the the win itself. So, yeah, I think I think they'll just be too good. Um, and I'll take the Bills to win in the cover. Up next, they have the, the Bears and the Giants, two teams that are probably having surprisingly good seasons so far. And the Giants are three-point favorites. Yeah. <laughs> I got to take the Giants here. I think, you know, when you look at who they've played and how they've won, I think it's a little better than the Bears. The, you know, the Bears beat the Niners in an absolute monsoon game. So you kind of throw that one out the window. Then they got destroyed by the Packers uh, and then, you know, beat the Texans. So um, I don't think they're that great. Uh, Justin Fields does not look good at all right now. Um more you know double i think got four four interceptions on like two touchdowns so um i think the giants are, are a decent team and i think daniel jones is not as bad as everyone thinks he is and i think this is a good opportunity for him to have a decent game here so i'm gonna go giants to win in a cover yeah i'm gonna agree with you again we're in complete lock and step at the moment but yeah justin fields has 297 passing yards through the first three games of the season uh, that has, that has been on 19 different occasions so far this season. A quarterback has done that in a single game, and that's terrible. Four quarterbacks have already done it multiple times this season. It is a record wow. through three games to have in terms of how how poor their uh, pass game has been. So, and yes, you can argue that their run game has been so good that they're just focusing on that, but it's a real issue. It's and you're going to need it at some point. So, yeah, I think the Giants are, you know, the Giants are sort of one of the better bad teams almost in the in the NFL. And the 
Bears are just kind of like a, a mediocre bad team at this stage. And, Although I think they're going to get worse. Saquon looks good. Yeah. So far. He's back. Yeah, until he gets hurt. Yeah, everything's good. <laughs> Up next, uh, the Browns at the Fa- at the Falcons, and the Browns are one-point favorites. I keep this pretty quick. The Falcons are fun to watch, and again, it's hard to – like I don't think you can really bet on them or against them because they're just – they're filled with really nice plays and really bad plays and things can look great for a quarter and terrible for this quarter right after it. But I think the, I think the Browns minus that meltdown against the, you know, in the fourth quarter against the jets, I think the Browns have actually been pretty decent this season. So I think if they rely on their run game and just kind of ground and pound approach, uh, I think they'll, they'll be able to win this one. Yeah, the the Falcons uh, are putting up 370 yards of offense, which sounds great. But then when you couple it to the fact that they're letting up 400 yards of offense, it doesn't sound so great. So basically, it's just a shootout when you play them. Uh, and that's kind of what it's looked like those first three games. But I agree. I think the Browns are a better team. And I, I mean, the Browns are getting lucky here because they're so far a pretty easy schedule without Deshaun Watson. Um, and they should technically you know, have a good chance to be 4-0 when they're going to look back on this and that loss to the Jets might end up really hurting them uh, come down the home stretch here. But yeah, I think the Browns will win this. Up next, we have the Jags at the Eagles, a game that in recent seasons would have just been dismissed as being terrible. I probably would have put it in the category of don't want to see a second of it. And suddenly now looks like a game between certainly two of the informed teams in the league, if not two of the better teams in the league. Uh the Eagles are six and a half point favorites. The Jags have looked really good for the last couple of weeks. I do think they benefited slightly. You know, they dealt with a char- a banged up Chargers and a banged up Herbert. So I think maybe a little bit too much is sort of being placed on just how emphatic that win was. I've been impressed by the Eagles. So I'm going to trust the Eagles in this one to win and to cover. Although the number is really close there to me thinking that it would, I'd kind of thread the needle. But I think as it's still under a touchdown, I'll take the Eagles. What are you? What are you giving me? Six or seven? Six and a half. Oh, oh, you're gonna do that to me, huh? I mean, that's the, that's the exact spread. <laughs> I'm you just want me to... <laughs> Yeah, I, the Eagles have looked impressive. Uh, I think the defense over the last two weeks has looked really impressive too. I'm gonna go with the Eagles to win, but I'm gonna take the Jags to cover. Doug Peterson coming back to the Eagles to Philly. I think he's gonna have something to prove. And Trevor Lawrence, man, he's looking great after Eddie bashed him. So I'll I'll go with the I'll go with a close game, Jags to cover, but Eagles to win. I'm getting worried because I'm I'm looking through these lines and I'm struggling to pick out where I'm gonna go with an underdog. So I'm getting a little bit worried here because it's obviously they're not gonna run the slate. So slightly Wow, you're your podcast preparation is great when you're now just looking through the lines no, halfway I, I, through us picking them. <laughs> no, I'm not just only now, but you see what I mean. Sometimes I start to register as I'm looking through my picks that it's pretty heavy on the favorites, which is always a concern, um, especially this year where it's been a season so far, right, of unders and underdogs. So maybe this is where the, yes, the, tide, the tide turns. Um, next, we've got the Chargers at the Texans, and the Chargers are five-and-a-half-point favorites. I get the best, I guess the big question coming into this is how healthy is Herbert? You know, that's the what you're going to have to think about before you make any kind of confident selection when it comes to the Chargers. Yeah, he's not even on the injury report, so that's I guess some encouraging news. 
Um, he was on it last week, I think, um, but he's not even on it this time, which is good. I think he'll be healthier, and I think he'll definitely be healthy enough to beat the Texans. Um, so I'll take the Chargers to win and to cover. Yeah, I'll do the same. This seems like the kind of perfect tonic for them to bounce back from the disappointment of last week. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is disappointing. If you're a Chargers fan, you have to be disappointed right now. You have Joey Bosa, who was just put on the IR, uh, I think, yesterday or, or the day before. Um, and then you have Keenan Allen still, I think, out and J.C. Jackson. So, you know, they have all these talented players and they just can't get them on the field right now. So hopefully yes. they get, you know, they're, they're going to come back, but you need to get wins, right? Especially in that division they're in, they need to get wins. Otherwise, they're not going to make the playoffs. So it won't matter if they're back. So that's that's the part that kind of sucks being, I think, if you're a Chargers fan right now. Yeah, it's always a tough one, right? There's there's those teams that just seem year in, year out to get hit by more injuries. The Chargers are one of them. The Niners are another one of them, right? Which you love to make fun of. But they just are the teams that every year, it feels like that's one of the things you can say. Cowboys are kind of in that category as well, where you just go, oh, well, if they could just stay healthy. And it's not the same players. It's not anything. It's just just like key players pick up injuries at bad moments in time. Up next have the... Seahawks at the Lions and the Lions now they're just hadn't been favorite a favorite in in forever and now they're favorites every week they're three and a half point favorites this is tough because you have to ask yourself are you ready to trust the Lions no <laughs> uh, I, I think I am I think in this situation I am just because as well as the stats look on Geno Smith right now, I think there's a little overhype going on. And I think that's, you know, I watched that game against Atlanta and I wasn't very impressed. Um, and besides that first half he had in Denver, I haven't really been impressed. So I think his stock is now coming back down to the norm of what you're going to get with Geno Smith. So uh, I, I'll, I'll take the Lions. I think they're they're trending upward. They're n- nowhere near a playoff team yet, but they're definitely trending upward. So I'll take the Lions to win in the cover. Yeah, I'm I'm not ready to trust them yet. So as much as I don't think the Seahawks are a particularly good team, I'll take the Seahawks with the points definitely, and and I'm even going to take them for the money line upset. Yeah, and I guess a, a big note for that game is uh, Amon Ra St. Brown is out. Uh, and he's been the leading receiver and has been really like Goff's go-to uh, receiver so far this season. So it'll be interesting to see where where he can get the ball to then without uh, St. Brown. Yeah, and up next, we got the Titans at the Colts, two teams whose seasons are not going as they would have hoped. And uh, the Colts are three-and-a-half-point favorites. I really don't like the Colts much this year now from everything I've seen from them. I know they obviously got the win last week, but it's just the Titans are officially – they've. Last year, you know, we had the long discussion where they garbage adjacent, whatever. They're they're fully in the dumpster at this point. The, the Titans are just in the dumpster, and they're close to having the dumpster being moved out back to be t- towed away. So, I'm going to take the Colts to win and to cover, just on the basis of how bad I think the Titans actually are. Yeah, I'll go with you. I guess on that, uh, I, you know, it's in Indy. I don't know if that helps, but to to be honest, it's really a game that. I would stay away from it for for any kind of bet just because I don't know what either of these teams is going to put out. I mean, even Derrick Henry this year hasn't looked phenomenal. I mean, you know, he's got under 200 yards rushing so far. Taylor, you know, he's at least up there again. But I, I just, yeah, 
I can't trust them, especially Matt Ryan. Like, I don't get what's going on. Is he done? Was that it? Should he have just retired? Like, I think I mean, that, it looks oh, like it at this point. <laughs> Indianapolis now, right, is where quarterbacks go to die. Like, it's just <laughs> you're kind of coming towards the back at tail end of your career, and, and this is where you go to wrap things up. Yeah. Yeah. Hasn't been pretty. Uh, no. Up next, the Washington Commanders are the Dallas Cowboys, and the Cowboys are three-point favorites. You know, the Cowboys, they got their win on Monday Night Football against the Giants. A little bit of luck involved in that. I still just, I can't trust them in the current situation. I'm at, So I'm going to, I think the Commanders have looked pretty competent so far this season. So I'm going to go with the Commanders to win and with plus the three points. It would have been nice if it had been three and a half, but I'll, I'll take them plus three. Yeah, obviously Dak out, Cooper Rush still in which might be a concern, but I think what you have to look at is their defense and uh, what they did to the Giants offensive line and what they did to Daniel Jones was really good. And Carson Wentz is not someone who likes to get hit. So I think they're going to have the same strategy and really put the pressure on Wentz and uh, he's going to fold. So I'll take the Cowboys here to win and to cover. And then we've got the Cardinals at the Panthers, and the Panthers are one-point favorites. It's so tough in this one because, you know, the Panthers have looked all right so far this season. And, you know, the question with them, they're another team where it, you're kind of assessing how healthy are they inter- and is Christian McCaffrey playing? That's usually the key for them. So it's a check in that regard. Questionable currently. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, think that he's just, I think that's just his status every week until he's out. But <laughs> as much as I don't think the Cardinals are particularly good, I actually think this is a nice matchup for them, and they'll, you know, they're getting a little bit of swagger back. I think they'll they'll win this one. Yeah, I agree. I think the Cardinals are just a better team overall than the Panthers are at this point. So I'll go Cardinals as well. And then we have the Broncos at the Raiders. Uh, another two teams who season has not gone as they would have hoped, especially for the Raiders, who are still searching for their first win. Obviously, the Broncos pulled off the Sunday night football win against the Niners last week, uh, but have yet to look impressive so far this season. At some point, I mean, I think the Raiders are a genuinely good team. So at some point, they're going to start winning games. And I just think they're better, and they're two-and-a-half-point favorites, and I think they'll win and they'll cover. Yeah, I... (sighs) I think the Raiders will win this. I am not impressed with the Broncos at all. I mean, they that win against the Niners was one of the just limpiest wins I've ever seen in my life. I mean, I, I couldn't believe they even won that game. And Nathaniel Hackett so far, to me, looks like a coach that is not ready to be a head coach. Uh, his, his play calls aren't good. His time management is terrible. They have the worst red zone offense. I think they've, like, the red zone offense is like 12% scoring a touchdown. It's it's worse than the league. He just does not look like he can handle it. He's not utilizing Russell Wilson like he should be uh, or the receivers for that matter. Um, so until they figure something out and start to click, I have to go against them. So I'm going to go with the Raiders, who you're right, I think are a good team and eventually have to win. So I think this is a good opportunity for them to, to get off that skid and get a win. Yeah, I mean, you, you look at, Last than that game against the Niners, I mean, it's basically one 
effective drive, right? They, yeah, the Seahawks fall into that category of can they score twenty points? You know, and and this Raiders team, if anything, especially at home, you would expect can at least score a couple of touchdowns. So, and I've yet to see anything from the Seahawks convince me that. You know, they're going to be able the Broncos, to, the Broncos. Sorry. It's just the Russell Wilson factor, but I've yet to see, <laughs> I've yet to see anything from them to convince me that, you know, they could win a game, you know, 35, 30. And then we've got the, the Packers, the, the Patriots at the Packers. Um, and this is the game. I think that just reminds everyone that Brian Hoyer is still in the NFL. I think that's, <laughs> that's, <laughs> It's impossible. I, the the Packers. I don't. Th- I didn't think the Patriots were particularly good, even when they had Mac, who, who has been bad. So I guess you could say that Hoyer probably won't be that significant of a drop off based on what Mac has done so far this season. But still, you know, the the Packers haven't looked great. Their defense is is good. They've shown that throughout the course of the season. You can tell it's like a very typical Packers, where early in the season their offense still trying to find its feet, and you know they don't. There's that kind of just a half step too early, too late on a few things. And Rogers isn't quite in sync with all of his receivers. But I think the combination of their pretty good defense and the fact that they are, you know, those extra games, I just expect them to get better each week. I'm going to take the the Packers to win and to cover. Yeah. I mean, I'll Eddie, I'll, I'll pull the aggressive move you did last year. The Patriots are garbage. They are in the dumpster with or without Mac Jones. They are not a good team. Uh, so I will take the Packers to to blow them out here. Yeah, I mean, there's before, a certain... Before we move on, though... Okay, go ahead. Well, there's a certain moment in time if you're the Patriots. If, like, if you're a Patriots fan, there's a certain moment in time where you must almost be thinking... Not tanking, because I don't think Belichick's ever going to tank. But you know what? It wouldn't be bad to have a, a three-win season and have a good draft pick and maybe really see what we can do. Even though it's the Patriots, so they'll just trade down and... It won't have as much impact on them anyway. <laughs> but yeah, that, you'd, you'd feel like you're almost in that mode. Yeah. So one of the questions that had popped up is, do the Patriots go out and get someone else, depending on how long Mac Jones is going to be out? Uh, and one of the articles I read, they brought up three quarterbacks who currently are not on a roster, being uh, Ryan Fitzmagic, Cam Newton, and Colin Kaepernick. So out of those three, Eddie, if you have to bring one in, who are you bringing in? Well, I don't think Fitzpatrick is realistic because if you're him, now that he's gone media mode, and I don't think there's a guarantee. I think it's actually pretty good on TV, but I don't think there's necess- – I think if you're him, you're probably worried like, okay, I, I probably slipped in at just the right time here to get a pretty good media yeah. job. And if I go back into the NFL and then Brady retires – and a couple of other guys retire, <laughs> I might suddenly find myself out of a job from a media perspective. So the smarter decision from for him is probably not to come back. But he's quirky, Eddie. You never know what to expect with him. Yeah, and I guess he's familiar with uh, the Boston area, right? So yep. And he he was actually in tears at halftime during his uh, halftime analysis. I don't know if you saw that. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I mean... Kaepernick, I don't think Kaepernick's a viable option. And that's not from a political standpoint. It's just like he's been out for so long at this point. How on earth are you, you know, bringing him in? I think, uh, I think Cam Newton has is probably the smartest thing they could do. He also has that advantage of having been on the team a season ago. Yep. So 
even though it's a new offensive coordinator and things will have changed, just a little bit more familiarity with the the style of play and, and probably some of the plays that are still in the playbook. So I think... Is, is he an upgrade from Hoyer? We'll find out, right? <laughs> <laughs> probably yes. I mean, in their peaks, obviously yes. But now, who knows? But well, I guess... Yeah, but he can't go back and get 2016 Cam Newton, unfortunately. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I guess we'll see how bad Hoyer is. And and it also goes back to at which point, if you're the Patriots, do you just think, let's just shut things down pretty much. Like, the, we're in a division with the Bills. So, and okay, the Dolphins now maybe are, are more beatable potentially. And so you could start to think that the division itself is a little bit more open than it was 24 hours ago. But still, I, I think he'd probably just think, let's just shut this down. Let's Hoyer see out his career basically and play a few games and, and then we'll reassess next season. And then we've got, I think, uh, one, uh, you know, two really interesting primetime games for different reasons. You've got the chiefs against the bucks. So two definite super bowl contenders. It's obviously always that interesting story. Mahomes versus Brady. Brady hasn't looked great so far, but the bucks defense looks really good. Obviously two, you the Bucks will be getting, I mean, Mike Evans is back. They'll have a few more options in terms of their, you know, uh, wide receivers in general. The Chiefs coming off a, a disappointing loss last week, and you got the Chiefs as one-point favorites. This is a tough one for me because the Chiefs, I'm actually, I'm going to back the Bucks here. I'm going to take the Bucks with the point and to win. On the basis, just that it just still feels like on offense, the Chiefs are just missing something. The Bucks have played them pretty well uh, from a defensive standpoint over the last few seasons. And I just think that they'll be able to kind of shut the Chiefs down a little bit and turn this into, you know, like we've not seen much from the Chiefs, the Chiefs running game. That's always the big concern. Like if they, if they need to just start grinding out yards, how are they going to be able to do it aside from just, using Travis Kelsey as the like release valve over and over and over again. It's just difficult to know how they're going to just pick up five, six yards at a time. And so I'll, I, I just think the Bucks defense could, 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 uh, could have a stranglehold on this game. Yeah, obviously most people will remember the last time they played was in the Super Bowl when uh, the Bucks really took it to them, uh, 31 to 9. I, I'm, this is tough because I am more of a, definitely a Chiefs fan. Uh, so obviously I, I prefer to see them win, but I, I honestly do think they're the better team right now just because the Chiefs will score and the Bucks offense just does not look good right now. Granted, they have a lot of injuries and I think people are going to start to come back and they'll, like you said about the Packers, I think the Bucks will progress as the season goes on. But right now, at this point in time, I think the Chiefs are the better team, and I, I think they're going to win this game. All right. And then to wrap things up, Monday Night Football, Niners back in prime time. It's Rams at the Niners, and the Niners are one-and-a-half-point favorites. I think this is an easy Rams win here. I really? don't. I don't know why. I don't know that spread. I don't get it. I really? just don't see it. You've been impressed by the Rams so far? I mean, I've been more impressed by the Rams than I have by the Niners. 
I haven't. I haven't been super impressed by either of these teams. The one thing I will say is, at least from the Niners' perspective, their defense has looked really good. I don't know what about the Rams has looked particularly good so far this season. Like Stafford doesn't look healthy. Stafford doesn't look good. It's just Cooper Cup or nothing. <laughs> it's kind of true. I mean, I look at the Niners. Like, where's Debo been? Um. Yeah, I mean, I guess they're. You know, there's probably especially now, right? Like now that you have Garoppolo, you need your big players to step up more. And what the first two weeks, uh, Kittle was out too, so it was he was basically your big playmaker, and he you barely heard from him. Well, he had a couple fumbles, right? So um, that that kind of blotted his copybook a little bit. I don't know. I, I just think. Fundamentally, the Niners have lost two games they should not have lost. They still haven't looked good uh, at, at really at any point this season. And they haven't really been... I don't think they've played anyone particularly good either. The Broncos are not great. so But they should have still won that game. And I just think, they're, I just think their defense is really good. And if anything, so far this season, it's been a, you know, a league that favors good defenses so far. So... I think for that reason, I just trust them a little bit more than this Rams team right now, who don't have a running game. Matthew Stafford is not great. It's just a case of like, I mean, you just double, triple team Cooper Cup every play, right? And then see what else the Rams can do. Yeah, I'm just surprised that this is a, a spread in favor of the Niners with Jimmy G starting. You know, it's as if all of a sudden now Jimmy G was is the better option. You know, like I... I, I, I just don't see it. He, he looked okay, but nothing great. I mean, he looks slightly – I'm going to say he is slightly worse than what he was when he was the starter. And at when he was the starter, he was decent at best. So now you're getting just an average-level quarterback. The other, thing, the other thing to throw into this, I guess, I'm not a huge believer in this, as you know, but the, Ram, the Niners have – have kind of owned the Rams in recent seasons. Even when the Rams have been really good and the Niners have been mediocre, yeah. like the coaching matchup, it's just been one that Shanahan has always come out on top of. And yes, the Rams won the NFC Championship game, but that was another game the Niners really should have won. So if you do look back through recent seasons, it, it, it favors the Niners from just the fact that they've... Shanahan has always been able to scheme things that work against the Rams. So I think that's the other yeah. thing that... that the other positive for them. Yeah, the, the Niners have won the last six reg, regular season matchups. And the most notable being that, uh, what, the week 18, right? Because now there's 17 games. Ooh. Yeah, so week 18 last, victory. Last season. Last season, yeah. yeah. That got the Niners into the playoffs. Yeah. Well, yeah, you're right. It. I mean, and 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 I, I think there is something to that. And I think there's something to that when you're looking at the time point where it matters, where the head coaches are the same and things like that. You know, if we were to go back 20 years, then I think it's kind of, you're just pulling at strings there. But I do agree with you. I think it seems as if Shanahan has McVeigh's number. Yeah. I think it matters when it's head coach for head coach, when you can see, and it's not just like, I don't, I don't like it when it's like, Oh, this quarterback loves playing against this corner. You know, that bit I never really understand. You know, I, I always think that's kind of an over, 
you know, like people read just too much into that. Like, oh, well, Tom Brady has always been able, like only a guy who had success against Daryl Revis or whatever it is, you know, it's like, well, is it, or is it just, they were a good team and he was able to do like, yeah. you know, it changes the way or that Aaron Rodgers loves playing against the bears or is it just the bears have sucked for the past yeah. 15 years? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, but I do think, yes, when you have these situations where you can really see where it feels like, especially when you have someone like Shanahan, where from game to game, he kind of changes what he does. So in terms of how much they run, the type of runs they call and stuff like that, he that does vary pretty significantly for the Niners. So when you just get that feeling that like, all right, he's one step ahead when it comes to playing against the Rams. Like he's always been able to you know, isolate, like he's, one thing you can definitely say is he's reduced the impact that Aaron Donald has had on games. Now, Aaron Donald will probably go on to have a monster game this week, now that I've said <laughs> that. But, you know, like they've they've kind of neutralized the impact of Aaron Donald in a lot of games and, and kind of been able to run the ball away from him, basically. Um, but yeah, it will be interesting to see. And I guess as we're doing a preview, worth mentioning, uh, we've got the arc this weekend on Sunday. It will be meaning that I will miss the London game as I will be at Longchamp for the races. But maybe worth just uh, doing a quick preview of the 2022 Prix de l'Arc. Do you do you want me to give my synopsis of this of the of the race this year? <laughs> if you'd like, I mean, I'll, I'll preface it right by saying because I think you're probably going to. Uh, point out the fact that this might not be the greatest race we've ever seen. And norm, yes. it is true that normally we come into the arc and there is, you know, one or two superstars in the field. And oftentimes it's seen as the opportunity for one particular horse to really sort of put a stamp on their season or their career. You know, in recent years, you've had it with the likes of Enable and Trev and Golden Horn. And, you know, kind of it's quite a long list of horses that have gone into uh, situations where you feel like this is the kind of, cherry on the cake for them and a, and, a, and a real test of quality for every horse involved. Not so much the case this year, although you do have last year's winner in um, Torquedo Tasso returning. So it feels like it's being slightly overlooked, but maybe an arc that slightly lacks in star quality. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, you could argue that maybe with Luxembourg, you have a potential superstar in the rise because uh, only a three-year-old and obviously it's out of O'Brien yard. So it could be anything and it could be a superstar, uh, but not, yeah, not the star power that you normally have and, and not, not the talking points you usually have too, which is I think just as disappointing. Like you don't have to have every horse be the greatest horse in it, but it's nice when you have, you know, can enable get, you know, another victory or can this horse overcome, you know, this other horse that it lost to. There's not many even of those nice lines to work in, which is kind of disappointing. Um, but you have a potential, uh, you know, superstar in Alpinista who's, I think, won yeah. the last six, seven? Oh, yeah, won, won, yeah, won the last six and has an, obviously a number of group ones. Um, yeah, Alpinista feels like a slightly overlooked horse at times when when there are discussions about the best in the world going around in part because Alpinista sort of made a career out of running slightly obscure races. Um, you know, this would be seeking a sixth successive group one win. So on paper that looks amazing, but having run extensively in Germany and, you know, in France and stuff, it just sort of seems kind of a journeyman style career. Um, 
But but yeah, El Panista, I mean, if Alpinista wins the arc, then you'd have to argue that I, I think you're right. If Alpinista or Alpinista or Luxembourg win, um, you know, there's a few horses that if they win the arc, it changes how they look, right? But those are the two standouts where it would probably propel them towards this sort of star label. But I'll give then my predictions. I mean, I think Luxembourg is the best horse in the race, but it's, it's you know it's currently seven to two, and I just think that's too short for a horse. It's stepping up in distance. The probably will handle the ground perfectly well, but it's still a question mark. So I think when you've got a couple of unknowns to factor in, I think seven to two is just way too short to be confident. You know, you're talking about a twenty runner field, a race where you can just have bad luck in the running as well. It's just too too much even though it has a number of positives going for it, you know, including obviously having Ryan Moore on board, who's having a great season, won the arc on two occasions previously, but still, you know, I don't love it. Um, I think a favorable draw too, right? I think sometimes a little bit too much can be read into the draw factor at, at Longchamp, but obviously having a, a lower, like a single digit lower draw is, 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 preferred and you and also you know you're kind of wanting to be drawn sort of five to five to ten five to eleven to be in an ideal position um not been many runners and winners from right on the inside or right on the outside so um but yeah too short wouldn't surprise me if that's if luxembourg's the winner but just too short for me um elsewhere videni ticks a lot of the boxes but at the same time just disappointing last time out i'm also a little bit skeptical because it seemed certain that we'd be seeing it in the champion stakes and then when by decided to bypass the arc then all of a sudden it was like well we'll go to the arc instead so that shows to me it's maybe like a slightly slight lack in confidence from the the trainers and the owners there um so my selections will be i'm going to take a i'm going to go throw the form book totally out in some respects i quite like westover Really nice draw. Ran really badly in the King George, but he's, you know, had one of the most striking performances of the season. And he, you know, I just feel like capable of a big run around 11 to 1 at the moment. So I think that's a, you know, a good price. And then the other selection that I'm going to have in terms of any degree of confidence in. I'm going to think that maybe this is the first year that there's a Japanese winner and that title holder might be able to step up and and finally get Japan the win that they're so desperate for. Issues here is question marks over how well um, he'll handle the ground, but in the very least, stamina isn't a question. I mean, he's won over two miles, so kind of from a stamina perspective looks fine. So I'm going to go title holder and Westover as my two selections. And then at bigger prices, be tempted by a couple each way. Uh, I think I'll look at um, probably bubble gift each way as well. But yeah, it's, I think it's one of those arcs where if you have too strong of an opinion on anything, it's a, it's a little bit insane. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, I think you have to kind of decide if you think Luxembourg is as good of a horse as, as it is. Um, because then when I start to think about it, I go back to the race that it won, uh, the Irish champions 
was the Irish Champions Stakes race? What was the last one? I can't remember the name of the last race. Um, where it beat Onesta. Yeah, Irish Champions Stakes, I thought. It beat Onesta, but just barely beat Onesta. And that's, you know, a French horse going to Ireland. And now, uh, and now you have the opposite, right? So I think I kind of like Onesta down at 12 to 1. You have a horse that's favored and a horse that lost to it by half a length is 12 to 1. And that horse has gone the distance the same distance as the arc and won a grade one at, at one mile four. So distance and stamina, not an issue for that horse. And whereas Luxembourg's never gone further than one, two. So it could be an issue. I mean, it's looked like it was traveling strong when it, when it hit the line at, at, at that last race, but you never know. So for me, I think there's a lot of value in an asset 12 to one. So I think that would be my selection not like you said, not very confident. I don't think you can be very confident in a race this open. Um, if you really want to get down there, you have Seal Away, who is about 40 to one, who was fifth last year in a race that had much better competition in it. And we'll have about the same uh, ground. So it really likes the the heavy ground. So you could have a potential good each way there with Seal Away, who's going to be racing same conditions that it's race and has done decently in with a much less competitive field. So those would be my two picks, but like you said, not very strong selections. No. Yeah. It's, it's, I think it's a race where it's obviously worth having something on, but more to watch than it is to be really betting heavily on. I guess the, the one advantage you could say is it's, you can make a strong argument for eight or nine horses. So there's value to be, you know, you can, there's double digits on the board there that, may well produce a winner so it has you know in that it's an appealing race from that perspective i guess the only other thing maybe to preview quickly is the uh aaron judge home run watch so we mentioned it before uh aaron judge was chasing the american league record of 61 home runs by roger maris and he has gotten the 61st home run uh wednesday and now has seven games left to break the American League record. So I think safe to say he'll break it. I don't want to obviously jinx anything, but uh, seven games is a lot of time. The only issue here is that he seems to be getting a lot more walks these past few games than he has uh, previously this season. So maybe pitchers don't want to be the one to give up that 60-second home run and would rather just take the walk. The other part that kind of sucks is that he also is shooting for the triple crown which to break the home run record and to get the triple crown would be really awesome uh but the last few games he was previously leading the american league in batting average but has since dropped to second i think he's about uh, like three one hundredth of a percentage back right now so um kind of a lot riding on these next seven games for for aaron judge in terms of you know overall legacy yeah, yeah, I guess. I mean, yeah, I, I, I guess the the real disappointment, right, was for that guy who came so close to catching that home run, and I mean, looked distraught afterwards. It's going to be hard not to be thinking so about close. But it's also the thing I don't understand. Like, yes, it's no matter what, it was going to be worth some money. But if he hits a couple more home runs, how much is it really worth? You know what I mean? So. You'd have to catch it and then hope. Well, I guess I, I hope Aaron Judge doesn't hit another one now. 
it's like the Tom Brady last <laughs> touchdown pass, right? You, you you kind of you're then in a situation where like yeah, the value starts dropping every time he hits another one. Yeah, I don't know if you saw the the person who did get it was the bullpen coach for the Blue Jays. Did you see this whole like Twitter reaction? No. Oh, so the the Blue Jays bullpen coach was the one who ended up getting the ball because it dropped into their bullpen. Uh, and his wife is a reporter, uh, a sports reporter. I forget where. And she was kind of just like messing around on Twitter being like, oh, we're, we're rich now. I can finally retire. And then it was turned out that he just handed the ball over, which obviously I think being in the MLB, I think you kind of have to. I don't think you can charge someone for it. I'm sure there might be some rules or stipulations there being an well, employee of the MLB. I also saw <laughs> also too anyway because it didn't get into the stands itself, it kind of remains MLB property. Okay. So like yeah. within the bullpen anyway, he couldn't have tried to claim it was his because it was it's kind of like still officially in not the field of play, but sort of within their territory. And I mean yeah. it's a gray area anyway, sort of like the possession of the ball, even when it goes into the stands. Like fundamentally if they insisted that you give it back, you have to give it back. Like there's <laughs> like it is kind of their you know, their property, but certainly in that situation, yeah, I don't think he was in the position to really hold on to it. Maybe they'll be nice and give him something though. If you're Aaron judge, I think you're, you get, you're doing something right. Yeah. Well, he gave the ball to his mother. So no, I know, but you're giving a nice gesture. No, I know. I know. And so I think he would be, have been happy that he got the ball back. Yeah, so he and, could have given it to his mother. So maybe he'll give something to that person. Yeah, I mean, you're writing a hundred thousand dollar check or something, right? I mean, he's about to sign a probably four hundred million dollar contract. So you, like, you maybe if you're the Yankees, even you say, "Hey, Aaron, like, we'll do this on your behalf if you want." But uh, do you want to? Because I'm assuming as a a bullpen coach, you're probably not earning huge sums of money. So probably be a nice <laughs> nice gesture. Now, my final topic. I don't know what else you have planned. It's something that we've kind of discussed a little bit off podcast. I actually played the new version of FIFA today for the first time. And I oh. I did not play as, uh, you know, the Ted Lasso and team has, has made it into the game. <laughs> I did not play as them. But it really annoys me that they're in the game. Oh, I love it. Uh, why does it bother you, Eddie, so much? It's just like putting a fictional <laughs> Does team. this bother you more or less that there are black actors in Lord of the Rings? No, that doesn't bother me at all. <laughs> but putting a fictional team into what is, okay, it's a simulation, but it's still, you know, it's supposed to be like a real honor in a sense and a cool thing to be in FIFA and like what your rating is and stuff. And it's supposed to be some kind of representation of reality. So to put this fictional team AFC Richmond into the game all of a sudden with a fictional manager, I just, you know, you're not playing like Madden and, you know, the, the Dylan Panthers are in there because everyone loved Friday Night Lights. Oh my god, but they should be, Eddie. Can we pitch that to Madden for like the for like the 10 year reunion or 20 year reunion? We put in the Dylan Panthers. But yeah, it just it just really, really bothers me. I, I, like I'm not gonna lose sleep over it, right? But it just and I like the show. So it's there's it's not as if I'm it's just that I hate the show itself. It's just like 
and and I I don't want to be one of those people where something becomes too popular and then that makes me dislike it. I I try hard not to be one of those people, but something like this. Oh, that's that's a lie. <laughs> that's the biggest hard. lie I've ever heard on this on this podcast. I do try. I try. I might fail, but I try. <laughs> something like this makes me dislike Ted Lasso slightly more because it just feels to me as if they feel like it's as if Ted Lasso is becoming some important part of the football world. And and then I just think that the, the actors and and everyone involved in the production in like Apple will feel as if no 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 we're we're like part of the machinery of football now. And we're the reason the Premier League is gaining gaining yeah, fanship. Probably oh I'm I'm sure that's happening in some marketing meeting somewhere saying like isn't this great for the Premier League in England in the U.S. Like Ted Lasso is a great way of introducing non which that that is probably true. Like I'm sure that Ted Lasso is kind of a good way of converting people who don't like the Premier League into sort of starting to pay maybe a little bit play pay a little bit more attention to it, even though it's a fictional team. Like I'm sure that is there's probably been some converts as a result of Ted Lasso. It just I don't know. It just bothers me. Like that's I mean, how upset would you be? It took they didn't have women in the game until what a season or two ago, and then now there's a fictional team in. Like that's going to be slightly upsetting. Yeah, I I don't have a huge issue with it. I mean, I, it's just a marketing ploy. Uh, so it's it's a it's a video game at the end of the day, Eddie. So <laughs> to me, it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> it's not as if they're actually playing in the Premier League. <laughs> it's no, not no, as look. if next week. It's not as if next week Blackburn's going to be playing them. <laughs> no, look, I don't really care. Like, I I don't really care. But and I'm not I'm not going to play that much like FIFA. I'm I used to love FIFA and it's they've just EA has kind of killed the game. And that would be my other argument is like there's so much wrong with FIFA overall that the fact that they dedicated some time to putting this fictional team into it fixed the issues. And I know those aren't the teams. You know, it's not different people doing different jobs and and they won't have had anything to do with the things that are currently like the bugs and whatever. But the fact that some resources were dedicated to creating this fictional team, that bothers me when you're delivering an imperfect game in the first place. But that's my rant for the week done. Speaking of, I'm still watching the Welcome to Wrexham show. And I can safely say, I do not think you would enjoy it. <laughs> Just like some of the way they talk about football in it and some of the comments they make, I think would just really anger you. <laughs> yeah, I got that sense, right? And this is one of those where I'm just going to stay away. Like, I'm not going to intentionally anger myself. I'm just going to not watch it. It's not for me, I don't think. So it's, it's I don't think it is for you. It's an instance where it's just not for me, so there's no point watching it and then complaining about it because they didn't have me in mind. You might hate watch it, though, one day. One no. day, I think you might anger watch it. No, because... To hate watch something? You'll watch a YouTube clip. You'll watch a YouTube oh, clip yeah. of it. Yeah, I'll definitely watch a YouTube clip of it. Speaking of which, but part of the reason why I could pull Dylan Panther so quickly, I have been watching some, when I do that weird thing where I watch, you know, six, seven minutes of something on YouTube, I've been watching a lot of Friday night clips. I don't want to rewatch the TV show, but I've been watching like six, seven minutes installments of Friday Night Lights a little bit this week. <laughs> so I've probably watched in total like five hours of Friday Night Lights, but in bits and pieces. And a lot of it, so good. mostly I've just been watching like the games themselves. Yeah. 
the thing that doesn't get enough, you know, the, the special teams, the Dylan Panther special teams had some clutch moments. The number of onside <laughs> kicks they recovered over the course of the three, four seasons. Unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, it, it is pretty impressive. They very rarely miss a field goal or no, an extra point. Yeah, they miss. There's the storyline with um, what's his face? Uh, the guy who's gone on to be a pretty famous actor subsequently. It was in like uh, Breaking Bad and stuff. Uh there was a storyline where he became the kicker. He does miss it, but then he eventually he, he then hits a 47-yard field goal to win the game, which in high school, that's pretty impressive, particularly in high school back then. Um, and in that same game, I think it was when I was watching those highlights or... A sub- Jesse Plemons. Yeah, you're talking about. a subsequent highlight. I mean, they recover an onside kick and it's like an offensive lineman or something who recovers it. I don't know why he's even out there to start with. And he returns it to the fourteen. It's unbelievable. <laughs> There's like four seconds left in the game, and he gets it all the way down, just rumbles his way down to the 14. It's They would be writing. Which I don't think you can advance onside kicks in high school. I don't know that. I don't, I don't know. Because you, you can't in college anymore. Yeah, you can in the NFL still. Maybe you could in high school. Who knows? But yeah, it's just, cra- it's just crazy. I mean, their special teams, they would be a topic of discussion on ESPN every week. They had like a 98% onside <laughs> kick re- recovery rate. It's just unbelievable. Well, the other thing that I always loved about Friday Night Lights and other shows like that is whenever they needed like a big punt return, that's the time they'll put like the really good guy back there. And you know he's he's getting like a 50-yard return. Like, why don't you just do that every punt return? <laughs> like, if he's that good at returning punts, why isn't he returning every punt? It's like, no, no, no. Now we really need yeah. a punt return. Put in the guy who's going to go 50 yards. <laughs> well, that's the other issue too, right? For this team that's like became state champions on multiple occasions over the course of the TV show and who were pretty good all the time. They have so many close games. You know what I mean? Like they have so many games well, where they're it's down. It's Texas, Eddie. I Every know. game's close in Texas. <laughs> you know, they have so many games where they're down at halftime or they're down in the fourth quarter and they're winning by, you know, a single score all the time. For a team that was as good as they were, you would have expected that they would have just had a lot more just 83 to 7 wins. Because, I mean, that's what you see in, in high school and college. Yeah, they have like one or two blowouts a year. But, I mean, I, I guess uh, maybe – I don't know how – I know Texas is very competitive, but I don't know how close games are in general. Like are the conferences, are they that uh, like separate where you still have really crappy teams even in in Texas? I don't know. But I love that show. I might go back and watch some more this weekend now that you said it. So taking a quick look at the the Texas sco- school, uh, scores from last Friday. Um, you do last have a number Friday pretty Night close. Lights. <laughs> Yeah, you do have a number of close games, but you've you've got some blowouts in there. There's a 43-7, 55-7, 46-7, 47-7, 48-7. Did Dylan win? Is that a do they are they a real team? I don't know. I don't think so. (laughs) But yeah, it's uh I mean, maybe they are because originally the book was based on like a real a real team, right? I mean, that was a, the original book was following an actual, because you see there's real life people who were the characters. So I'm, it's a I, fictional town. Okay. But, ba- but the original Friday Night Lights book was. It's like 
loosely based off of i think off, like off texas high school football but yeah it's um oh it's yeah it's it's based off of the nonfiction book about the permian panthers football team okay yeah no there's all right 71 0 i mean there's 57 0 there's some there's some blowouts there if they were that good they would have been having some pretty dominant wins on a fairly consistent basis and the permian football team right now is five and oh they're coming to play well, anything else you uh, want to cover from the week? No, I think that's about it. Talk to you later. See ya. Cheerio. Cheerio.